0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode seventy four of the Switch Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me is Andrew Brown. Hello. <laughs> Sound tired? It's
1: twelve thirty, man. It's twelve thirty <laughs> at night.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no Ginny this week again. Hopefully she'll be back either next week or in the next couple of weeks. We'll we'll see how she goes. And um, we've got a bit of a pack show for you. We're gonna talk about the uh, DLC for Dead Cells, Rise of the Giant. Uh, Andrew's gotta go fast in Team Sonic Racing. Uh, and I'm gonna give you the lowdown on the cyberpunk one-hit kill arena combat game Akane or Akane, however you wanna pronounce that one. And yeah, so let's get on with it. Okay, first up, updates from previous episodes. Uh, the developers behind Dead Cells surprise dropped the DLC, Rise of the Giant. It's uh, not something I've had time to jump into yet, unfortunately. But have you've been playing it?
1: Yeah, I played it last night. Cool. And
0: how does that live up to the uh, the core experience?
1: I don't know how to compliment it really. Uh, obviously, I'm complimenting it, but I just don't know how, because. <laughs> A lot of the things that are improved about it, I don't know if I really improved because of Rise of the Giant, or if it's just further improvements brought to the game over time. Like, uh, now there's a new item you can buy with cells between levels. It's a magic mirror that sits at the, the start of every run, and you can look in it, and you can see a monster that'll have a blueprint that you haven't unlocked yet, that you should be hunting down in that run. And there's also a tailor that's appeared at the start now, and... Still more things you can buy with cells now is alternate costumes to wear rather than just the basic costume that was available before. And there's quite a large number of them. And just in addition to new recipes and things like that, on top of that, there is the new adventure you can do. Because at the start of the game, before, you were this little blob thing that dropped down into this cell. And there was this unexplained giant skeleton in the room that just never seemed to do anything. And the very first thing you would do when you would walk out the door into the dungeon proper was there was a giant door that you just could never open. Well, after this update is installed and after you've downloaded the 4 megabyte unlock key from the eShop for some reason, I was very confused about why I had to do that because it's an update that applies automatically, but you can't actually do anything in it unless you download this unlock key as though it's (laughs) paid DLC. Like this, is sh- like this is Street Fighter or something? It was very confusing. Uh, but anyway, once you've got the update installed, you can actually go in that door, and you can find a key in there after you do this little platforming puzzle. And once you have that key, you have to go and you have to find this new door that's appeared elsewhere in the dungeon. I don't want to say where, because I think that's half the fun of this DLC. And actually, if I had known exactly where it was, I probably would have only been playing it for about an hour instead of four hours to do everything to see in this. So I don't want to take that experience away from people. But once you get that key, then you can unlock a new area in the dungeon and has the new boss at the end, who is the giant. And it's a pretty challenging fight. Uh, it's not groundbreaking in its mechanics. I've fought a similar boss and many, many other platformers. Uh, and it just adds it into the to the mid-dungeon flow. It still leads into the final castle area and into the same hand of the king final boss that you've always fought before but it's it's more Dead Cells and Dead Cells was one of the better games that was released last year, it's an excellent indie souls-like platformer and this has done nothing to hurt it in any way and if you need a reason to come back this would be it.
0: Don't think you need a reason to go back to it really because every run is just so much fun but yeah I, I will check this out soon, definitely keen on more content there. Uh, so with that done let's talk about the latest Switch news Before we get into laughing at Capcom, just uh, something that I did notice yesterday. DC Universe Online is coming to Switch. Uh, pos- I think it's its first first MMO mm-hmm. on yeah. the console.
1: Uh, there's that, I've forgotten what it's called. There's a Japanese one that has a hilariously mangled translation on its store page. Uh, I think I know but that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, this will be the first one from a Western developer.
0: Uh, I played a bunch of this on PS3. And had a really mm-hmm. good time with
1: it. Um I, I looked at a few store pages and unless those store pages just haven't been updated in forever, I think PS three is all it was ever on, so this is actually pretty cool that it's coming to Switch.
0: I'm pretty sure it was on PS4 as a free download. Was it? Yeah, okay. That, okay.
1: That that would probably make sense. But,
0: but uh yeah, it was uh it, I, I thought it was superb, but it was one of those MMOs where you could play mostly solo, so that was fine by me. Mm-hmm. Um and i would say it's like content wise it's probably mostly finished anyway so that's a low risk of you know clogging up your your memory with constant updates so yeah i'm, I'm pretty pleased with that i i think that'd be a good one to jump into
1: yeah uh, i was just thinking last week uh, i wonder when star trek online is going to come to switch but <laughs> this is i'm sure just as good yeah <laughs> so <laughs> it's a free mmo i mean it's it's got the free to play stuff in it which, especially in the MMOs, aren't aren't that avoidable, but it, it's free, so it's it's hard to complain.
0: Yeah, uh, and then uh, next up on the news is so we talked about the uh, three big Resident Evil ports and their pricing, which was way overpriced. Uh, Cost talking Resident Evil Remake, Resident Evil Zero, and uh, Resident Evil Four. Not only were they overpriced, but from from what we've seen. Uh, coming out over the last couple of days, they're also really, really poorly optimized on Switch, so it leaves Capcom in a place where they're asking for more money for a considerably worse product. Uh, this is really disappointing, considering they were on last-gen consoles and ran perfectly fine.
1: Mm-hmm. I played the remake on PS4; it's an excellent port.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, they were out on you know like PS3 and everything and ran fine too. But Resident Evil Zero has massive loading times between rooms resident evil one has frame rate issues and the biggest criminal offense for both me and andrew is that resident evil 4 doesn't have motion controls which is just what <laughs> <laughs> i just i just can't get my head around them not doing it maybe they'll patch it in
1: yeah maybe i mean i i'm i am just so done with capcom right now
0: <laughs> it's just it's, it's surprising to me because they they did a good job with uh, Monster Hunter and, and a lot of the other stuff they've put out. Maybe this is something they've just shipped to a third-party porting studio and they're not very good. I don't know. I mean, the no motion controls thing on Resident Evil 4 is not a deal-breaker. Like,
1: I, Especially uh, since Digital Foundry reports that it actually runs better in handheld mode than docked.
0: Oh, okay. But, yeah. um, And it's also not been a, a great week for Switch last-gen ports either, because apparently Assassin's Creed's not running that great as well. Yeah. Apparently that's okay in handheld as well. It seems most devs are focusing on getting it right in handheld first and foremost, which is you know fair enough a lot of the reason people be picking up these older games is for the the ability to play it handheld mm-hmm. but yeah um, I,
1: even i play my switch mostly docked and i don't really know why i mean yeah. half the time i'm sitting there and be like why don't i just play this on my <laughs> playstation 4 <4?" laughs> but I don't know.
0: um and it's like yeah and, and i'm pretty sure it's just lazy ports because we've seen you know older more intensive games running on the system well but it's a shame um and the f- the fact with resident evil appearing to run badly sort of explains why i couldn't get a, a review key for that one but <laughs> <laughs> uh le- oh well uh it's there if you want it like i'm sure they're functional and i'm sure they play well it's just irritating especially with the price
1: people always exaggerate like especially the resident evil frame rate thing i'm sure it's Far from game breaking, I'm still gonna buy them when they go on sale. I'm just, I'm taking some satisfaction in the fact that uh, I'm not buying them now, and this gives me more reason not to.
0: Yeah, we're on our um, pact at not buying them at full price, which I'm gonna stick to for the time being.
1: So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah,
0: power to the people and all that. <laughs> okay, so with that, let's talk about what we've been playing this last week. Okay, I'll kick this off. Uh, I picked up a game called Akane, or Akane. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, sorry. Uh, I, I wouldn't have got this under normal circumstances, but it was uh, half price for people who, who had bought uh, a number of games on the eShop. One of them was One Strike, which we talked about in the last episode, or the one before that. And I had enough coins, so I got it for free, essentially. So uh, so this game is kind of like an arena roguelike Uh, so you play a uh, badass uh, female katana wielding warrior (laughs) uh, who is in like a the cyberpunk setting of mega tokyo in the future Uh, and basically you're in a caged arena and just countless waves of bad guys just keep rushing you from from the sides uh, everything in the game is one-hit kill, so you only need to hit an enemy once with your katana or your gun, uh, and they only need to hit you once as well. Uh, and how this is structured is you unlock new stuff by completing missions. So the first couple of missions is finish a run with a combo of 50, or shoot 50 enemies, which is a lot harder than it sounds, trust me. Mainly because the uh, ammo uh, it runs out pretty quickly into... To regain it quick enough to use it you have to keep killing more enemies and yeah so if you complete these missions bit by bit you'll unlock new gear so i've got like a, sh- a shotgun now instead of the-, the default pistol i've got boots that change the way the sprint works so the default is a little dash this one actually has you sprint for a short period where you can curve and there's other little like change-ups things that uh, help your stamina uh, increase quicker, and things like that. And that's the rhythm, basically. You're just running through and trying to unlock these missions. Once you've killed so many enemies, there is a, a boss fight against this cybernetic ninja dude, uh, and he's really tough. And then once you beat him, the whole thing starts again. I'm um, at this point where one of the missions is to kill three of them in one run, so it means I've got to keep beating this thing three times. The combat itself uh, is really, really fun. It's really responsive. Like, there's heavy and light attacks, and everything just is super smooth, dodging smooth. Uh, once you get into the rhythm of it, of, like, switching between your katana and your gun, it's just super satisfying just to keep tearing through these waves of enemies. But that's about all there is to it, really. There's there's not a, a lot of progression outside of the missions, so it's sort of fun, I've been jumping in for like half an hour at a time, and I, th- I think that's sort of really how you're meant to play it. Um, I saw it described as kind of like a a Dead Cells light, and I, I kind of see where they're, they're going with that, but it, it's not really the, the same sort of thing. The combat's not as, uh, as deep, and you know, it's not as satisfying, like there's no exploration or anything, it's just this one arena constantly. Uh, but it's worth definitely worth it for a couple of bucks. I'm I'm, I'm glad I picked it up. I'm going to keep chipping away at some of those missions, but it, it is a really tough experience, and uh, those that aren't into that sort of toughness probably should stay away. Uh, I'm not at a, at a point where I can safely say that some of the power-ups will make the game a lot easier as they as they do in other sort of roguelike experiences. Yeah, I, I need to get deeper into that, but yeah, for, for like a you know 10 minutes to half an hour blast here and there it's 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 super enjoyable and i, I, I definitely recommend it actually i think you would like it a lot
1: hmm. yeah yeah i think it's like 249 right now in the e-shop
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's really cheap i think that's because you got it because you bought one stroke or one of the other many probably games i think <laughs> i have
1: most of cubic games releases <laughs> on the switch
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the combat is really fun, and I've I've, in, I've enjoyed it every time I've played it. So yeah, I, I intend to keep doing it. But it's not it's not something that I would strive to beat. It's just something I would jump on when bored for you know like half an hour on here and there, and you know maybe I'll reach an end point at some point. So you've been playing what would probably be the the biggest release of last last week, which is weird because it's a Sonic game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Remember when Sonic releases were a big deal? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that, that sort of stopped after the 32 bit era I think. yeah 1999 <laughs> was
1: a long time ago
0: uh, but of course we're talking about Team Sonic Racing uh, sort of a, a but not really a follow up to Sonic Racing Transformed it's, I believe this one has more of a a team racing direction to it which is, is definitely something that puts me off a little
1: yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about that <laughs>
0: Cool. So, But otherwise, how are you enjoying
1: it? Well, this is a kart racer, so it has the same problem that every other kart racer will face, and that's it. It has to live in the shadow of Mario Kart, especially right now, Mario Kart 8, which is the best version of Mario Kart so far. And I really struggled at the start of this. When I started playing it, I was like, eh, this is okay, but the cars are much heavier and it does have drifting in it not not power sliding but it has drifting which is almost the same thing that's the big problem i have with most kart racers that try to imitate mario kart is they don't have power sliding which is the most important thing in a mario kart clone and they all seem to think you just need weapons to shoot people with and no 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 power sliding is what make mario kart what it is and team sonic racing does have it but the cars are so much heavier and the drifting mechanic just the way it works doesn't give you quite as sharp a turn it's really more of a a slide Uh, so i struggled a lot at the start because i played so much mario kart 8 uh, that I just wanted to play this game the same way. Uh, so I started playing with a lot of technique drivers because they have the highest handling uh, until I acclimated to those differences, but I started hitting a wall where my technique characters, like Tails and Rouge the Bat, they just weren't able to compete anymore, which, you know, I, I would hope the game would be balanced, that you could play as whoever you want to and you could still win, but I when I got near the end of the game, I was just encountering situations where I felt... There was no way I could keep up with the rubber band AI. But my second night with the game, even after I was really demoralized in my first night and actually thought about just dropping the game, I did come back the second night and I switched to playing as the speed characters like Sonic and Shadow and immediately started doing better. So I just had to get into that learning curve and then I had to actually pick a character who's competitive and... I actually really started to enjoy this game. Uh, So once you get past that Mario Kart curse, I I do think that this is a good kart racer. And a big part of it is those team racing mechanics, as you mentioned. Unlike most kart racers, where every person is for themselves, in this one you're actually working with two teammates, and you do have to race cooperatively with them because your collective score does go towards determining what rank your team receives at the end. That was the big problem I ran into playing the Team Adventure mode, which is like the the main single player mode in the game, was I was playing as Team Shadow mostly by the end of the game. Uh, my power character Omega was usually ranking in the bottom six, uh, which was really dragging our overall score down, and I kind of felt at the mercy of the AI there. I really didn't know how I was supposed to help them. You can... The person who's in lead in your team leaves a little golden trail behind them, and if their teammates follow in that trail, then they build up a slingshot meter, and... The longer they stay in that trail and the higher that slingshot meter goes, the bigger speed boost they get when they emerge from that trail, possibly slingshotting ahead of that person in first place. And, you know, you just keep going back and forth between your teammates until you catch up to the team that's in first place. You can also share items that you pick up between your teammates to the point where it actually felt like it was a better use of items rather than using them against your enemies to just keep tossing them between teammates. Because when you use the slingshot ability and when you share items with your team, you build up your team ultimate meter. And when it's maxed out, you can turn that on, and it's basically a team-wide power star. Uh, And it makes your characters invulnerable. It makes it so when they touch other opponent racers, those racers get wiped out. And it also makes them super fast. So that was really what the game felt all about. Uh, I, there's not really a blue shell item that I encountered. Nothing felt like the equivalent of that in terms of a game-changing item. It was seemed to be all about the team ultimates. So I actually think that's a good thing because that does encourage team play rather than ignoring your teammates. If you go and you play this game online in the in the team play mode... Uh, I don't think you're going to see too many people just flat out ignoring you because the best offensive and defensive item in the game can only be obtained by playing cooperatively. I think that's a smart de- design decision. But the items that you get in the game are actually called Wisps, and I, I struggled In the first half of the game with these wisps because they are not designed in a way that i could tell what most of them did there is one wisp that's a giant blue box and i could tell what that one is that that is the cube one which you drop on the field and uh, other racers can crash into it uh the other ones they're just kind of these weird shapes and i could really only figure out what they were by using them until i recognized what shape was went with what item and i compare that again to mario kart where i have never have any confusion on what item i have picked up is going to do that's probably a bad example because I think somebody who's never played Mario before wouldn't understand why a mushroom would make the Mario Kart go faster, but that makes perfect sense to me. And, like, the fire flower and, and the turtle shells, that's, that's a really terrible example, because Mario Kart is just ubiquitous. That's the only reason that example works. But the Wisps still could have been designed better so that way I could know what they did just by looking at them without having to play the game for eight hours first so I could learn. And another problem with the wisps is a lot of the times the opponents would use wisps on me and I would not understand why I was crashing or what I just got hit with or what just happened to me because the effects in the game. This is a good-looking game. I think this game even looks better than Mario Kart in some ways, Uh, but the crashing effects and the item effects are just not distinct or spectacular. So it seemed like I was just randomly crashing. I knew because an enemy hit me with a wisp. I just didn't see the wisp coming, and I didn't see the effect from the wisp, so it just seemed like I just suddenly drove into a wall. (laughs) It it was frustrating.
0: Yeah, um, I see what you mean, because... Like, although, okay, if someone's never played Mario and they're, they're confronted with these items from, you know, in Super Mario Kart, like the mushroom or the fire flower and stuff. Like, they're very distinct, mm-hmm. though. Like, you you would quickly pick yeah. up what they do. And their effects are obvious. And, like, when you get hit by a green shell, you know you've been hit by a shell. And, like, what the hell is a wisp anyway? Is this something that's just bespoke? team sonic racing or is it something from sega's past that i'm not aware of
1: this is the first sonic game i have played since sonic sonic adventure 2 battle so i don't know (laughs) like i didn't even know who half the characters in this game were there's like somebody named blaze the cat i don't know
0: (laughs) yeah i've heard of them i can't remember them i do know who silver (laughs) the hedgehog
1: is but that's only because his game was a disaster so i just know that one by (laughs) reputation (laughs) but um uh, wisps might be something taken from another sonic game but they're just like these spirit characters and they, they seem to only exist to justify being able to trade items uh, without you know writing side by side with your teammates you know it, it's a ghost just say go to my other player and the ghost goes that that seems to be the idea behind the wisps and well, the, the reason i was really excited about this game is i saw a screenshot of the team adventure mode which is the main single player mode and it was like a super mario brothers 3 style world map where you navigate between nodes and there's levels at each intersection and that is what this is but i was misled by the things i was seeing you can earn keys in the levels by completing specific extra goals and I saw locks on those world maps, and I thought, okay, I need to earn those keys so I can unlock those locks. Not actually true. Uh, The keys, if you earn every key on whatever segment of the map you're in, then you'll unlock an extra item. To unlock those locks, you need to earn stars by placing in specific ranks in each map, which is similar, but I still felt misled. That's just Bad visual design, right there. Yeah, because you think keys. Exactly. Locks, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it has that cool world map in it, in terms of structure, and I really struggled with this on the first night that I played the game, I felt like I was playing a budget mobile kart racer, especially like beach buggy racing. Or uh, there was a a jet ski game I played last year, which I actually quite enjoyed, was a a GT. Motorsport Renegade I think something like that some similar name to that something something Renegade this game is structured almost exactly like those where it's laid out in successive races on a few courses and you do different modes on the different courses which gets repetitive very quickly there are 21 courses in this game which is good that's a pretty good amount it's no Mario Kart 8 but it's a good amount and but when I was playing through the campaign, it didn't feel like there were that many. I said many times while I was playing it, I'm positive that there's no more than 10 courses in this game. It's actually twice that amount, but it didn't feel that way. To progress to the later levels, as I said, you have to unlock the locks on the map by earning stars. So if you want to reach the deepest ends of the game, you have to go back to earlier races and earn higher ranks on them. And that works identically to beach buggy racing and to... GP Renegade which are both kart racers that I bought for $5. So I was playing this and I was like I feel like I've just paid $40 for beach buggy racing with Mario Kart 8 quality graphics. That was how I felt my first night playing the game. I did start to enjoy it more as I got into it uh, and I started to appreciate it on its own merits rather than going man I wish I was playing Mario Kart right now. Eh, yeah, that that's that's pretty much how I feel about it. It's not a bad game by any means, but it, it's a Sonic game. <laughs> it, it, it's very middle <laughs> of the road. Uh, it could be a lot better than it was. Uh, it could have done more to stand out on its own. Like, I, I think the fact that they've made it a Sonic game rather than a Sega game uh, it has really held it back. Uh, like one thing I talked about uh, the first night I played this on Twitter. Was like, when I played the Mario Kart levels, even if it's an entirely original concept, when I look at it, I recognize it as a Mario environment. If that same idea is applied to this game, uh, except for a few levels, like there was one level I could tell was obviously based on Casino Night Zone, but there were some other levels uh, that were either, if not outright, ripping off Mario Kart. Like there's one level set in a volcano that has a giant lava monster that slams its fist down onto. split in the road on either side of it that is straight out of a track in mario kart 8 it is plagiarism (laughs) and there's another course set up in the sky where you race through the clouds and a big part of it is set on metal struts and giant rings that are held up by helicopter blades again taken straight from a course in mario kart 8 when it's not taking from mario kart 8 i don't recognize this as a sonic level i don't recognize it as a sonic environment either this game is not a good representation of the Sonic series or the Sonic series has reached a point where it has no identity anymore either way that really disappoints me
0: yeah I, th- I mean much of the criticism I've seen and the stuff that I, I think I would probably agree with has been basically that after something like Sonic All-Star Racer transformed like it's impossible not to feel like they've pulled stuff out yeah. of the game uh, and I saw, I saw an interview where uh, the developer said they this is They've purposely done this because they're trying to rebuild Sonic back up as a as a brand. They got
1: a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah, but like it was like the the last game, like when I because I think I reviewed it as well for for an indie site, and even as someone who didn't really grow up as a Sega boy, like found a lot of joy in just like seeing how these tracks the the tracks would like change and evolve as you as you played them. Like uh, they during, do not you, change. This yeah
1: what you see is what you get in these yeah
0: so they change in amazing ways and then there'd be some sega reference that you know like a lot of them i probably wouldn't even appreciate on the same level as someone who grew up with a Mega mm-hmm. drive or but um i just just taking that away just seemed like a really bad idea to me from the offset and the team team thing like it sounds like a neat way to change up the kart racer uh and it's sort of, you know, how you go about winning a kart racer because, you know, like Mario Kart is like, be the fastest, don't get hit. <laughs> but yeah, it just uh, just doesn't sound quite in line with it, what I look for from a, a good kart racer. Um, but when I reviewed Transformed, it was like, wow, this, this is better than any Mario Kart I've ever played. Mm. Like, that that's how much I loved it. Until Mario Kart 8 came out and I was like, oh no, okay, wait, the king is back. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just... I just feel like they've taken out a lot of what I personally would get out of it um and that the the direction is not the sort of thing that I would particularly relish but I can see how it would transfer well as well online if people are going to play it properly but then if I've, uh, I've played a lot of uh say team ba- team based online games where people just ignore how to play it properly and do their own <laughs> things <so>. yeah <laughs> <laughs> who's to say uh so just a couple of other things I was going to uh, chat about before we uh Depart. Uh, I did actually finish uh, New Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. You finally week, just chipping away world at a time.
1: Just in time for Mario Maker Two.
0: Yeah, and there's there's really not a lot you can say about New Super Mario Brothers Deluxe.
1: That is the main problem with New Super Mario Bros. <laughs> yeah, you know
0: it's like I I enjoyed every every moment I played it, mm-hmm. but and, and and it's fine. It's serviceable but that's all it is it's not it's not amazing it's there's a couple of moments where there's like you know Nintendo at the their creative best but it it's yeah. just it's just lacking uh, it's fine that's yeah. all it is and it, it's kind of like that um that B-tier Nintendo I keep talking about <laughs> m- m- much like um the last Kirby game was like it's yeah. good it's a good time you'll enjoy it while you play it but then it's not it's no, never going to be something you remember it's it's not a a Mario Brothers three. It's it's not a Mario world. I'm trying to keep those comparisons to the 2D ones there, but you know, it's it's serviceable. If you want 2D Mario, you'll have a good time. But so just it just won't blow your socks off.
1: That's just disturbing from a Mario game. Like <laughs> yeah, like if the best you can say about a Mario game is eh, like that's <laughs> that's really disappointing from Mario. Like you know, at least Super Mario Sunshine. People love to complain about that one at least that one's memorable. And like Odyssey, I was disappointed by Odyssey, but at least I saw things in it that was the reason I was disappointed is like this could have been so much more than what it was.
0: Oh yeah, I, I always say the worst games are the ones that leave you feeling nothing rather yeah. than disappointment or anger. Um, But like, you know, at no point was I disliking playing the game. Like I never went, this is boring or this is rubbish. Why I should play something else. is just it's just fine that's it mm. <laughs> um, the other game I played um, so I've been in a weird mood this this past month where I just can't settle on something to play start to finish which is really unlike me I'm just in one of those phases so I've sort of parked Dragon's Dogma because uh, I'm just not in the mood for something that deep and meaty uh, and just curiosity got the better of me so I thought I'd have a, a quick poke at uh, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon everybody uh, now when you've Played it a couple of weeks back, probably a couple of months back now. Mm-hmm. You said based on my enjoyment of things like Tangle Deep and Quest of Dungeons. Yeah, uh, you thought I would really like this one, especially you know because it's it's basically those sorts of design design philosophies, but with a Final Fantasy skin. And so far, so good. Um, I've only played maybe two hours, uh, so I, oh. it's not like, I, it's not like <laughs> I can offer a lot of in-depth uh, thoughts on it so far. But I can, I can absolutely see why you said that those few episodes ago. It's, uh, it's def, it's definitely, you know, the correct description. Um, and it's, it's cute, it's friendly. I, I have a couple of issues with the controls because everything still operates on a, a grid basis but the controls are, like, really super smooth. Yeah. So it feels like I'm meant to barrel through it, but then that's got me into trouble a couple of times.
1: Yeah, you want to take a step, then pause. Just yeah. pause for a moment and just... <laughs> just a split second and just <laughs> see if you're so, in trouble or not. <laughs> so, so
0: from that end, I, I found using the D-pad to be a lot easier. Yeah. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's just like, run, 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 oh, no. <laughs> but, uh yeah, just... um. I've just unlocked the forge and i'm, I'm gonna look into uh figuring out uh, unlocking the other vendors and stuff um but so far so good i i immediately recognize it as a game that i can't just play start to finish even if i was in that sort of mindset currently i i think i would have to chip away at this like couple of the dungeons at a time or you know treat each chapter as like an as a game
1: i think even then you would get overwhelmed i'm in the Third chapter or the second chapter uh, I forgot how the chapters are arranged I'm in the chapter after the one you're on and the dungeons get quite long <laughs> so I, I think <laughs> even doing it just chapter by chapter would overwhelm you before long because I can only assume that the elemental dungeons I've got to go into elemental dungeons 3 and 4 and probably secret boss dungeon after that are going to get even longer
0: yeah, so I've got that to look forward to. <laughs> uh, en- but enjoying it so far, it's uh, it's definitely in line with things that I've liked before, uh, and with the Final Fantasy flavor, that, that always gets me in, so <laughs> I like that. I like the, the town interactions, and sort of wandering around there. I just found myself watching him on the swing for quite a while <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> it It's the same animation.
1: I've got a video uploaded it- of... The Chocobo just riding the slide over and over and over again. And I was like, uh, Chocobo, <laughs> aren't we supposed to be saving the town right now? <laughs> going on the slide, going up the slide, going down the slide.
0: <laughs> the look of joy on his face on the swing is just something to behold. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I'll keep informed on my progress on that. Um, but I think it'll be one I'll, I'll play play for a, for a bit, then drop for a bit, then play for a bit, then drop for a bit.
1: Yeah, so. I started progressing through that much more rapidly uh, once I found the white mage in town that you can take into the dungeons with you. Uh, having mm-hmm. a dedicated healer just following you around makes your life a lot easier. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, there's a lot of little little mechanics here. Like you you heal every time you walk, but then yeah. you you'll lose your uh, stamina, which you can then replenish with the uh, the geishal greens, which are sparse. And like you can walk on the spot to heal, which was a thing. I learned uh, in the last session <laughs> um, but yeah, uh other than that i'm I'm pretty happy with it. it does make a very good first impression at least, so yeah, look forward to playing more okay, and with that, uh what are we playing in this coming week Andrew
1: something from the backlog I don't know what
0: spin <laughs> a wheel do a twitter vote
1: i've got a random number generator i can ask
0: use a random n- number ge- generator yeah <laughs> uh i'm just gonna flick between uh chocobo's mystery dungeon uh while i've got the momentum and keep playing some akane or arcane i still don't know how to pronounce it
1: it's probably akane
0: uh, yeah I, I, that was my best guess
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us to get noticed. And you can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at SwitchFocusPodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Check for links in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee, and details are on our website. Thank you very much. If you want to follow us individually, Andy is at Flame Roast Toast, Ginny is at Ginny Woes, and I'm at Play Critically, streaming on twitch.tv slash playcritically. the slide going up the slide going down the slide